This is Pastor Rick's Daily Hope, the Bible teaching ministry of Pastor Rick Warren. Today we begin a series based on the 23rd Psalm called Living in the Goodness of God. In these lessons, you'll discover that God is good all the time, even in life's most difficult circumstances. And you'll experience the hope and favor that spring from God's divine goodness. Before we get started, we want to let you know that very generous friends of the ministry are offering a $100,000 matching grant. That means that every dollar you give right now to help Daily Hope share the hope of Jesus around the world will be matched up to $100,000, making your gift go twice as far. You can find out more by going to PastorRick.com or by texting the word DAILY to 800-600-5004. Right now, here's Pastor Rick Warren with part one of a message called, Is God Really Good All the Time? Today we begin a new series that I'm calling, Living in the Goodness of God. And specifically, we're gonna look at the most famous chapter in the entire Bible, Psalm 23. More people know this psalm than any other chapter in the Bible because it's all about the goodness of God. Specifically, it gives us nine ways God wants to be good in your life. Now, when you were growing up, you probably learned the little child's prayer. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Yeah. And so you learn at an early age, God's great and God's good, twin pillars. And of course, if you've been in church any time in your life, you know that sometimes a worship leader will say, God is good, and the congregation shouts back, all the time. And then he'll say, all the time, and they say, God is good. Is that really true? Is God good all the time in your life? I mean, what about the times when you're in pain? Is God good when you're in pain? What about the times you're in conflict? Is God good when you're in conflict? What about the times when you're depressed, when you're stressed out, when you're worried, when you're under attack? Is God really good all the time? And how do I know that goodness when I can't feel it? I want us to begin this series by reading aloud Psalm 100, verse five. It's there at the top of your message notes. Let's read it together with great enthusiasm. The Lord is always good. He is always loving and kind. His faithfulness goes on and on to each succeeding generation. Now, the Bible says God is good all the time. How is that true? How is that true in my life? What I wanna do in this introductory message is I wanna do two things. First, I wanna show you why focusing on God's goodness is so important to your life and why when you forget to focus on God's goodness, it causes all kinds of stress. It causes all kinds of problems. It brings all kinds of difficulty. The lack of focusing on God's goodness is the major cause of stress in your life. We're gonna see that. And there are some negative consequences that happen when you forget how good God is. And then the second thing I wanna do is just give you an overview of where we're going on nine ways that God wants to be good in your life. I'm not gonna teach those because I'm gonna teach on them individually. We'll study them in depth. Now, one way to understand God's goodness, the Bible tells us, is actually not just by reading the Bible, 
listening to scripture, hearing a message on it, but actually through worshiping. Look up here on the screen. The Bible says this in Psalm 34, verse 9. Worship God if you want the best. You want the best in life? That's why you need to be at worship. Worship God if you want the best because worship opens the doors, to read it with me, to all God's goodness, all his goodness. The way you experience God's goodness is actually through worship. And so worship opens up the goodness of God in your life. Now what happens, let's start with this. What happens when I forget God's goodness? Well actually there are four negative consequences and you need to understand this so you can avoid it. So you might wanna write this down. The first negative consequence of forgetting how good God really is is this. I start claiming credit for things that God did for me. I start claiming credit for the things that God did in me, through me, to me, for me, by me, with me. And when I do that, I head down a path that's gonna cause a lot of depression, a lot of stress, and actually quick judgment from God. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus tells the story of a very rich man who had been very successful, made a lot of money, and one day he's surveying his business empire. This guy's a billionaire, he's got it all together, and he says, just look at what I've done with my life. He's pretty proud. And he goes, look at all of what I've accomplished. Look at all of the wealth that I've amassed. Look at all the great, uh, what am I gonna do with all this wealth? I couldn't possibly spend it. I tell you what, I'll just build bigger barns to store it all in. He doesn't give God any of the credit. He takes it all in himself. He thinks that he did it all by himself, and the Bible says, God says to that rich man, you fool, you fool. He said, tonight you're gonna die and I'm gonna give everything you've amassed to somebody else who will appreciate it and express their gratitude to me. It's a sober warning, it's a sober warning. If I were to ask you, what is the worst sin you could commit? I wonder what'd be on your top 10 list. If I said, what do you think is the worst sin that you could commit? And some of you might say, well, it's um, you know, some sexual sin. Or some of you might say, maybe it's, it's being greedy and you know, abusing other people in order to get more money and things like that. Nope, nope, nope. You know what the number one worst sin is? Prideful ingratitude. Not being grateful to God for his goodness. The Bible talks about this over and over and over. Pride and ingratitude is the sin that got Satan kicked out of heaven. This is a serious thing, folks. This is a serious thing. When I stop being grateful to God for all the good in my life, then I get into trouble. The Bible tells us the story of King Herod, who was the king in Jesus' day. On the screen, the Bible says this in Acts chapter 12. One day, King Herod put on his royal robes and he sat on his throne and he made a great speech to the people. And evidently, it was quite a great message because they shouted, this is the voice of God. It's the voice of a God. He's more than a human. Now, Herod is not humble. He's not grateful for the place that he is in life. Instead, he became, because Herod gave no credit to God, the Lord sent an angel to strike him down with a fatal disease and he died, boom. God didn't take his life because he was immoral. 
God didn't take his life because he was greedy. God didn't take his life because he lied to people. God said, you are ungrateful. And you're setting yourself up saying, well, I did it all myself. And when you do that, you're skating on thin ice. You say, but wait a minute. I built this business with my bare hands. Who gave you your hands? I thought up the business plan totally by myself. Who gave you your mind? I worked for where I got today, and I worked by the sweat of my brow. Who gave you sweat? Everything you have in your life, you owe to God. You would not take your next breath if it weren't for the goodness of God. You wouldn't be sitting here right now for the goodness of God. You wouldn't exist if God hadn't made you to love you. Literally everything in your life, the ability to see, the ability to hear, the ability to eat, the ability to do all these different things, God gave you those abilities. And God says, I want you to be grateful to me and realize, never forget how good a God I am, that everything you have in your life, your freedom, your thoughts, all the, everything you've got, it's because I gave it to you. And you wouldn't have it. You wouldn't even have the ability to work. Did you know that ingratitude is actually one of the roots of atheism? That when I'm ungrateful, then I start excusing myself and dismissing and maybe even denying God. The Bible says it like this in Romans chapter one here on the screen. Since God created everything, and he did, the entire universe, uh, people have always been able to see his goodness, there's that word, see his goodness and power in nature. Now, for instance, we don't have to have the Bible to know a lot about God. All you have to do is walk outside. If we didn't even have the Bible, you could know a lot about God. For instance, we know God likes variety. All the different flowers and plants and animals he creates. We know that God is organized by looking at the universe. We know that God likes systems. He creates the plant system and the animal system, the kingdoms, the solar system. Uh, we know that God is powerful just by looking at nature. You don't have to know any. Look at volcanoes. Look at oceans. Look at uh, hurricanes. Look at the, the pull of magnetism and the, the sun and the moon and the stars. We know a lot about God just by looking at nature. So I can't say, well, I don't know anything about God. I've never read the Bible. And so the Bible says this. Since God created everything, people have always been able to see his goodness and his power in nature. So people really have no excuse. I have to live in denial to deny God because the design of the world and the universe is an evidence of a designer. Wherever you have creation, you must have a creator. It doesn't just happen. If I were to be walking down a mountain side and I saw a rock out of place, I might go, oh, that's just an accident. But if I'm walking down a mountain and I see an Apple watch, that is no accident. Somebody designed it. Somebody designed it. That is evidence of design. In one trillion years, that would never just come together on its own. It takes more faith to not believe in God than to believe in God. You have to suspend reality. You, the people who don't want to believe in God, it's because they don't want to believe in God. It takes more faith to believe. I, you know, I could put that on the ground and for a billion years it would never just come together on its own and you're far more intricate than that. 
and so is everything else. Wherever there's a design, there's evidence of a designer. Wherever there's creation, there's evidence of a creator. This is called the cosmological argument for the existence of God. It's one of six philosophical arguments that don't even use the Bible to prove that God exists. And so he says, in nature, we've seen these things. If I don't want to believe in God, it's because I don't want to believe in God. I want to be God. I don't want a Lord. I don't want a master. I don't want somebody telling me what to do. And then the Bible says this. They, they know God exists, but they do not give him credit for all he's made. And they're ungrateful. That's the big problem. So their thinking becomes confused. And their hearts fill up with darkness. And they think they're wise. But really, they have become fools. You see, the slide into unbelief actually begins not with unbelief. It begins with ungratefulness. I'm ungrateful for all that God has done in my life and for my life. Now, did you know that the Bible also says that this idea of not focusing on God's goodness, being ungrateful for God's goodness, is one of the signs of the last days, of the, when history is coming to a close. It's one of the characteristics God says will be found in society. Look at this verse on the screen. 2 Timothy 3.2. As the end approaches, the end of history, People are going to be these ways, self-absorbed. You know anybody like that? Money-hungry, self-promoting, and arrogant, profane, rebellious, ungrateful. There's ungratefulness is in that long list of sins and have no respect for what is sacred. Does that sound vaguely familiar in our culture? You can see every one of those characteristics now, God wants us to remember the source of our success. That's why when you are blessed as much as you do, living in America, uh, living here, having so many of your needs already met, God says, never forget that I am the source of everything good in your life. The Bible warns us in 1 Corinthians chapter four, there in your outline. What do you have that God hasn't given you? The answer is nothing, literally nothing. It's all from God. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from God. If God did not exist, you would not exist. What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if all you have is from God, why do you act as though you're so great and as though you accomplished it all on your own? God is a good God. Now, the first thing that happens when I deny, when I forget God's goodness, I start claiming credit for stuff that actually I didn't do. God did it through me, and he gave it all me, even the abilities to do it. Now here's the second negative consequence, and that is when I, when I forget God's goodness, I stop asking God for help, and that's a big problem. Because when you forget how eager God is to help you, how good God is, you start depending on yourself and you stop asking God for things in prayer. God wants to help you. God is waiting to help you. Over 20 times in the Bible, in the New Testament, it tells us to ask, we're commanded. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. Over and over, God wants you to ask for whatever you need in prayer. You say, well, you know, I, I only wanna give God the big stuff. I don't wanna give him the small stuff. Everything is small to God. None of your requests are big to God. So it's no big deal. 
every request is small in, in his power. And so God says, um, I, want you to, I want you to ask. When you forget God's goodness, you know what happens? I can tell you when you've forgotten God. Your prayers become tepid, weak, wimpy prayers. They're just rote. You're not asking God for anything. You're just mouthing words. You don't even mean it. You're blah, 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 and on and on and on. And you don't actually even ever ask God for anything. You're not specific. You're not saying, God, I need money for this car payment. God, I need help over here. I've got a conflict with this person. Help me out here. And that's what happens when you forget the goodness of God. Now, how do you learn to trust God? Do you trust God more than you did, say, six months ago or a year ago or two or three years ago? He said, well, some of you'd say, no, actually, I, I don't. I think I'm kind of stuck. I don't think my trust is any deeper than it was a couple years ago. Well, you know what that means? It means you're not asking in prayer. You're not growing in trust because you're not asking God for anything. The more you ask, the more God can meet your needs. The more he meets your needs, the more you grow in trust. Thank you so much for listening to Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. We've got some incredible news to share with you. Very generous friends have given a $100,000 matching grant to this ministry. That means all this month, every dollar you give to help Daily Hope share the transforming love of Jesus with people around the world will be matched up to $100,000. Here's Rick to tell you more. Did you know that the Bible promises that wherever God sends his word out, it will always produce results? It's a promise. It's a promise in Isaiah 55, 11, where God says, when I send my word out, it always produces fruit. It always accomplishes what I want it to, and it prospers everywhere I send it. That's in the Living Bible. I love that passage. And this is why we do what we do here at Daily Hope. We're constantly sending out God's word, to give hope to people who have no hope and to tell them about the love and the hope of Jesus Christ. Now, you know, we couldn't do this without your support. It, it, it's your prayers. It's, it's your financial support uh, that helps God send his word across the country and all around the world through Daily Hope broadcast. You know, God has really blessed this ministry and we say to him, be the glory, but we still have many more people to reach. There are over 7 billion people in the world, and every one of them needs to know Jesus Christ. Many of them have never even heard the name of Jesus. And so this is our faith goal. You know, we started Daily Hope Ministry because we want to reach what we call the unreached, unengaged people groups. That's the about 3,000 remaining tribes in the world that have no Bible, no believer, and no body of Christ. And there's still about 3,000 tribes where the name of Jesus has not been proclaimed. How do we get there? By taking this broadcast to what we call near neighbors and encouraging them to then go in and reach those people, we hope to one day finish and help complete the Great Commission as doing our part with everybody else who's doing their part to follow the command of Christ. As we tell others about the love of Jesus, God helps us to trust him even more. And of course, the Bible says, the more you help others, the more God blesses you. And so thank you for your gifts. I know that God is blessing you and will continue to bless you as you bless others. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed.
Just want you to know that I love you. I thank God for you. I care for you. And I'm praying for you. God bless you. You can give right now by going to PastorRick.com or by texting the word daily to 800-600-5004. We'll say thanks by sending you the brand new Daily Hope Prayer Journal. Again, that's PastorRick.com or text the word daily to 800-600-5004. Thank you so much for your support. Be sure to join us next time as we look into God's Word for our daily hope. This program is sponsored by Pastor Rick's Daily Hope and your generous financial support.